Hello and welcome to Not Bane Podcast, your weekly rundown of UK politics from a Black millennial view. Every week, join me, Bay, and Corey as we look at Parliament and stories from across the diaspora. Grand rising kings and queens, welcome to another episode of Not Bane. This week, we will be looking at the drama that went down in Parliament this Monday, the final day of February in the year of our Lord 2022. Drums, drums, drums. Sue Gray's long-awaited report into the Downing Street and other locations, parties during lockdown, aka Partygate. Ian Blackford, leader of the SNP, got kicked out of Parliament. We're going to talk about that as well. And lastly, we'll be going across the pond to America, where my lovely co-host will be telling us about uh, some worrying threats to HBCUs. So finally, we have the report. I mean, and when I say have the report, we have, you know, a summary, essentially an outline, because, you know, the full report can't be released. There's been no talk of ministerial um, obligations and ministerial codes, even though it has been referenced, because there's now a police investigation, which means parts of the report or the majority of the report can't come out until the police investigation and none of the MPs and uh, members of the cabinet or prime minister can comment because it's a police investigation. I wonder how we got here. Well, at first we were told, we are not taking any questions, wait for the report. Now we're being told, not taking any questions, wait for the police inquiry. I'm just looking forward to whatever the next delaying comment will be. What what will we have to wait for once the police inquiry is finished? Um, well, the inquiry has been had and a, a resolution has been found, so there's no need to talk about it. I believe will be the next statement. And Dominic, Dominic Raab said on television, that was it today or yesterday? Today, maybe. Dominic Raab came out and said that... Um, if there is any sort of penalty to the prime minister, it's not something that is going to be announced. So if our prime minister is subject to any sort of fixed penalty notice or fine from the police for lockdown breaking parties, parties of which he would have set the rules for, we as a public apparently do not have a right to know. However, guess what? What? In the space of one day, Mm. there was a change. So, So, no, 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 I mean, you're right here. So... Because I get I get uh, WhatsApp messages from the Telegraph. Oh gosh! I get three a day. Corey three the Tory for real. Jesus, jeez! Not a direct line to the Tory graph. Why? What's the thing? We need to address that. But <laughs> What's yes. <a> thing? <laughs> anyway, so you get three get three three messages a day with a bunch of stories. Anyway, the so you get one in the morning, one in the afternoon, one in the evening. So. In the afternoon, the afternoon WhatsApp message started off with this. Downing Street may never reveal if PM or number 10 staff are fined. Plus, not clear if anything more will be added to Sue Gray report, says Dominic Grab. So as you said, Dominic Grab says, hmm, we might never know. Mm-hmm. But guess what? That was the afternoon WhatsApp. The evening WhatsApp started oh. like this. Public will be told if Boris Johnson is fined. Downing evening all, comma, Downing Street has said the public will be informed if Boris Johnson is given a fine for breaking lockdown rules. Number 10 previously suggested that names may not be disclosed as it was a matter for the Met Police. Oh, dear. 
So up they, they flip-flop. Yep. Down, flip and flop. So we so might find out if Boris gets a £500 fine or whatever it is uh, for... Uh, 10 grand for each one. I think 10 grand is is when you sort of like host a big event. So the, one at, so the ones at uh, Downing Street, I think, I believe there were two. Yeah, I don't know. I think... I mean, sure as, as, as the Prime because... Minister, the buck stops with him for all of these things, no? Well, indeed. But I think the 10 grand, a lot of the, when I kept hearing about 10 grand fines during lockdown, it was usually for like people who arranged like uh, secret raves, outdoor raves and secret locations, that kind of thing. I don't know if it would just, I don't know if it'd be 10 grand because some people got fined like a few hundred pounds. So I guess it depends on the size of the event or the size some of people the got one for about a thousand pounds for a baby thousand. shower, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Per person who was there. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know. It really Indeed. is um, uh, subjective. So depending yes. on the police officer. The Sue Gray the report. Comes, she'll, she'll give him one pound and well. one pence fine that he can donate to a charity of his choice. Indeed. So yes, we are of course talking about the Sue Gray report. Sue Gray report into seven, 18 different parties which took place over lockdown in various government buildings. It was released yesterday, Monday. Um, it, it was very like like you said, heavily redacted. It was 12 pages. It, it looked, do you know what it looked like? It looked like coursework that I, that I would submit. Oh, not me, because obviously I submitted my coursework properly on time and in full, but it looked like the kind of coursework that you would submit in uni when, you know, you sort of started two days before and you needed to hit up that word count and mm-hmm. hit up the page count. So all <laughs> of the spaces, there was lots of bullet points in there. But really, it didn't really say much because, as you said, that's a lot of it. Probably the preamble, because it's probably the preamble to the real report. It, it, no, that's what it. That was yeah, sort of the, you're right. Is, yeah. It was the size of what you would expect. Maybe an introduction, maybe introduction plus chapter one of like a mm-hmm. proper report. But as you said, there were <clears throat> a lot of it was taken out because yeah, well, I mean, we'll uh, of the police the link, investigation. We'll post the link on Insta if anybody is has a burning desire to read it. One thing I will say that did come out. Um, as um, an outcome from the report is that Boris Johnson did announce on Monday when they had the discussion about the report that there will be a new opening of the office of the Prime Minister, so mm. a bit more of a separation between the Prime Ministerial residence and the Prime Ministerial offices rather than just the offices being in the Prime Minister's home, which is not a bad thing. It makes sense. You know, it's a, it creates a lot more of a firmer line between the executive personal and the executive professional, though, just so we know, there is no personal when you are the executive. I don't really think all your um, decisions are political, but it's very much in case of this is my home. You know, my the party that I'm having at my home is should not then now absorb all of my co-workers or my staff in it as well. So I thought that that was actually really, really good. And it's ridiculous that it's taken so long. Yes. So he came to Parliament yesterday and presented this um his response to the report starting off you know with the 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 com the now common refrain of mr speaker i am sorry no, i'm sorry i am sorry I'm and sorry. then yes one of the outcomes <clears throat> so far at least one of the action points taken is the creation of this office of the prime minister but like you said um said things that he was announcing that things that are going to change like you said uh, it's taken a while i mean the 
we've had a prime minister for 300 years <laughs> and some of this some of what he was saying kind of it kind of felt like mm, should this already be the case shouldn't you already have this sort of structure like, it was things like my office should not be in my residence mm. especially considering it's not like the like you say it's not like the white house or anything like that where it's a large ref- residence. Oh, you're finally coming around to my point of view that number 10 is not sufficiently grand enough for the Prime Minister. That's not what I said. I, I think said the size said. of number 10 doesn't necessarily mean that it should be, you know, offices, 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 then a flat. I mean, that's absolutely fine for number 10, the building, to mm. be the residence. And then your offices can be across the road. Of course, he lives build, in number 11. Build, him a, build a little shed at the back. Mm. Indeed. I mean... Um, to be fair, I will also say it shouldn't necessarily, I think a house, I think the least we can do is give our prime minister a house and not a flat. The least, the least. So, but this office of the prime minister, it's not saying that, because he said this, they're creating this new office of the prime minister with a new permanent secretary mm. um, attached. So what does that mean? Surely that doesn't mean that all of the prime ministerial functions and and work outworkings are going to now take place in some other building in Whitehall. It, it didn't not, mean it wasn't a physical office. It they means, have not yet. That's not yet been made clear. No, that's ridiculous. That won't happen because you can't just abandon number ten. It won't be a physical move. It's, it's more abandoned. of a, it, it's more of a structural move. Well, in this, well, abandoning as in the way I understand from what you're saying is they're, they're talking about moving, like literally moving offices. Well, yeah, because they had, a, they had that's a work party and it was in Number 10 Garden. Yeah, but I don't think that's exactly what's going to happen. Mm. What, However, anyway, what did you think of... Because obviously there was a big debate in Parliament on Monday. <clears throat> um, you had class, you know, you had Prime Minister introducing, introducing uh, in giving his response and then facing s- facing questions from across the House. Mm. And first, the first response obviously was from... Keir Starmer, the leader of the opposition. What did you think of his response? What did you think of the Prime Minister's uh, responses to the response? And what did you think of other questions that were <laughs> well, that the were given to, to him the from across the and house? The questions to the response to the response. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> what did I think? You know, I mean, you know what I think in general about um, King Manager, and I just find his voice really nasal, and I tend to zone out. Sorry, I did who? who? King Manager, Keir. King manager. King manager. I've never heard him call that before. What That's does that mean? He's a new mean? one. He's just the king of the manager. Is that something that you do, or is that something that actual people <laughs> that say? I do. He's just the king of the man. He just a very manager vibe about him, you know, like. Oh, okay, fair very, enough. You know, dull, ill-fitting suit, nasal voice. These suits are not as ill-fitting. They're not as ill-fitting as Corbyn, although Corbyn did improve the suit game, but yeah. still. Anyway, anyway, let's stay on point. It's a sort of sad, dull grey colour that he chooses. It's never a vibrant navy. Mm. Like his his um suit shirts never have a, a solid thread count. He just always looks a bit dishevelled. Aside from his wardrobe, what did you Sorry, think of the yes, substance yes. of the response? Um, you know what? It was kind of punchy. And I say, and you, you know, I don't usually, uh, I don't usually say that. I mean, I will say, as this is something that has been a running theme in the past two, three weeks since he's been back, he just spends a little bit too much time laughing at his own jokes. He's like, <laughs> isn't it, Mr. Like, bro. He's very relaxed. Do you know what it is, though? It's because... You call that relaxed? No, it's the reason he keeps laughing every time he's he's he, he stands up and he seems really sort of lighthearted is because he rightly sees that the government are just continually digging their own grave. And it's like, he, he, he's got the demeanour of somebody who's 
winning without actually doing anything to win. And I kind of get that. I feel feel like he should then take that further and go on the attack more. Go on the but attack that explains about things that are outside of the party. That the explains party why he's always boring. laughing. Because he's like, just I get like, it, but it's comfortable. Boring. I wouldn't say that. Not that he doesn't seem comfortable. He's a little bit too rehearsed. He's a little bit too rehearsed. Which no, I'm saying he is comfortable. Yeah. Oh, sure. I mean... I don't get that vibe of him, but he doesn't seem like somebody who's a relaxed, comfortable person. Um, he's a little bit too rehearsed, but he is getting the points in. And, you know, his, it's simply not good enough. 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 That repeating of the message, I think, is, is cutting through, um, but it's, it doesn't cut through as much as the vaccine mandate, you know, rolling out vaccine, rolling out the boosters, furlough. It doesn't cut through the same, unfortunately. Um, also, he's been getting the digs in, but at this point now, he like you said, he needs to expand because there's a lot of other things that the government should be under scrutiny for that he could be bringing up. Yes, Partygate does have cut through, but unless you can um, convert that message to talk about the general overall government failures, then this is going to fizzle out eventually. It either goes with Boris, who's not going to go, or it goes because people stop talking about it and something more interesting is going to happen. Unfortunately, just nothing more interesting has happened yet. But, you know, as soon as something even slightly more interesting that gets the, um, the journalist's blood flowing, that's what we'll be talking about. You know, Dominic Cummings has come out and said that, that oh, there's about how many more photos and pictures that he's got. He's not released a single thing yet. It's just always, you know, giving snippets to the um, to the newspapers, dragging the story out. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. Um, there was somebody else who made a really good comment. The MP for Brighton. Was it Brighton? Maybe it was Hove. The ginger one. Do you remember at PMQs? The ginger one. No, um, I'm not sure. Which one are you referring to? Anyway, um, the <clears throat> whilst you're remembering, I'll I'll say the one that the the question that struck me the most, and it was actually from uh, the Conservative benches, so somebody on Boris Johnson's own team. Um, he got peppered a lot from his own side, even by the former Prime Minister Theresa May. She basically, her question essentially essentially summed up was, "Do you not care, or are you just stupid?" Like, are you so stupid that you didn't know your own rules or did you just not care about breaking them? That's basically what she asked him. It was pretty powerful. But the one that struck me the most was you had a Tory MP who retold the story of when he went to his grandmother's funeral. And he mentioned how he went to his grandmother's funeral. He drove from, I think he's an MP in Stafford, somewhere in the Midlands. And it was down south. So it was a few hours drive. He drove a few hours to his grandmother's funeral. He said he couldn't even hug his mother. He couldn't hug his siblings. He couldn't even go to his grandmother's house for a cup of tea. He just took straight after the funeral, drove the four hours straight back home. And then he ended his question with, does the prime minister think I'm a fool? And then he sat back down. And I thought that, that one struck me the most because it was personal. It was passionate. It was real and it was something that a lot of people could relate to. Pretty much anybody who went to a funeral or anybody who had a loved one die and couldn't go to the funeral could have related to that question. And the fact, like I said, that it came from his own side was really powerful. 
of course, the response was, uh, no, I, 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 I do not think my, my colleague is a fool. Um, he didn't actually say a fool, but, he, you know, he said, no, really, really sullen, really, really, really humble, really, really apologetic. But the game, but he gives, he gives away the game. Yeah. Because he'll, he, he gets up, stands up and says, oh, he's really sorry and lessons will be learned. But then when people ask him a question, you know, from the other side, usually, he's there sniggering, smiling. We're going to get on to Ian Blackford. But Ian Blackford... Drew, after one in in one of Ian Blackford's questions, leader of the SNP, he he kind of stopped because he saw him smirking, and he just basically turned to the whole house and says, "Look at that! Look at that! He's smirking!" And so he just to me the veil the veil just drops because he can give all the apo- the apologies, but then if you're really in that kind of contrite, sorry, uh, regretful mode you don't then at the same time smirk and smile and, and try and play the joker. So yeah. to me, it just proves that it's not authentic. Well, but we know it's not authentic. He's not sorry. He just can't, he probably can't believe that this has become such a furore, to be honest. He was thinking he probably thought it'd be blow over in a news cycle or two. And here we are four or five weeks on with a, an investigation still going. So he's definitely, definitely over it more than anything I'm sure probably a lot of them are over it like goodness hoping something will happen hoping that you know this visit to the Ukraine to not to the Ukraine sorry to Ukraine and his um, meeting with Putin will sort of shuffle this off the front page and the MP that I was talking about earlier Lloyd Russell Moyle said he would rather be led by a lawyer than a liar wow I take it he's um, from Labour benches yeah Labour benches is a Brighton MP so I am no fan of Ian Blackford, the leader of the SNP. I think he's a total bore, basically. You're a bore. I'm actually a very, very exciting, Coming enigmatic... Ian, where he's been consistently keeping his foot on the neck of Boris Johnson since he'd been in party. I think most, people would, most, people, most people would describe me as being a very enigmatic person. Thank unlike you very much. Your best mate anyway... Here. He's anyway. been flopsing and floundering week Number after one, he's week. He's not my mate. That's your. That's no, your I've pal. never met him. All right, and whatever. Ian Blackford, leader of the SNP, he 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 probably stole the biggest headline of the parliamentary debate yesterday Get because it. he got kicked out. Got kicked out of the house. He was expelled from the house for a day. Lindsay Hoyle told him to pack up, get out, withdraw, don't come back, withdraw. Okay, withdraw. told him to withdraw. He didn't withdraw. tell him to back up and get out, whatever. No, but, but he yes. told him, no, but he told him to withdraw, withdraw, withdraw. And he said, no. Well, he oh, said, no, no, so he, in, talk, he, right, said, he, he told him to withdraw the comment. Said, withdraw the comment, yeah. And he said, well, yes. you know, in, you've got to say inadvertently misled. You can't say misled. Can't so let's give some lied. context to what he actually said. So yeah. Ian Blackford uh, said, the Prime Minister has willfully misled the House. Mm-hmm. Now, under parliamentary rules, you are not allowed to accuse other members of lying, which is mm-hmm. essentially what he did. You're not allowed to do that. Uh, it's just the rules of parliament. You're not allowed to say that. Um, Whether that's it's, the it's, basis it's, of truth or not, you're not allowed it, to say it. It's not the point. You're not allowed to do it. No, that's um, what I'm saying. Dennis Skinner, if anybody remembers him, Labour MP, the the summit of Bolsover. Anyway, Labour MP from Bolsover got kicked out last, last general election. Anyway, he was famously kicked out of the, the house for calling David Cameron dodgy Dave. The speaker at the time told him to withdraw dodgy. And he says, I still call him dodgy Dave. He got kicked out. Anyway, Ian Blackford refused to put 
as you said, he refused to add the word inadvertently um, into his comments. And so, uh, yes, he was ejected from Parliament for basically calling Bojo a liar. Um, like I said, not my big, not the biggest fan because I think he's told. Totally, he was called. He was known boring. as the Beast of Bolsover. The Beast of Bolsover. That was Dennis. Yes, um, I thought it was great though. I thought it was great, and I thought he did what Keir Starmer didn't. <clears throat> Keir Starmer was given this very. Keir Starmer reminded me right of a teacher in school you know if you weren't doing particularly well in a certain class and you weren't paying attention and it's listen if you don't pay attention you're not going to pass your exams that kind of patronizing talking down when really what should have been happening is what ian blackford did he went after boris like uh like like he, it was the last thing he had to do in life and so that's you what say was, needed. was sort of a bone he took a somewhat a boneless approach Boneless. Who was boneless? Keir. You think you thought it was a approach that was a bit toothless. boneless, toothless, boneless, spineless. <laughs> it was all sides of the same coin. It lacked any sort of rigidity, any yeah. firmness. Which, considering that his job is the opposition and supposed to be holding the leader to account mm. in a situation where we've got hundreds, um, thousands, sorry, dead from COVID. 4.2 billion of COVID fraud been written off, 37 billion of COVID spending on track and trace that we're not really sure what has come on, the VIP lanes for PPE, the backhanders and um, the corruption with regards to COVID contracts. And now we have that the uh, party in power and in the offices were having multiple parties where people were um, forced to give, to give birth and go through labor alone in hospitals. Um, I think a boneless approach to holding this prime minister to account is just frankly not good enough. When Theresa May calling out the prime minister has more teeth to it <laughs> than the leader of the opposition, you have some questions to answer. Theresa May absolutely hates him. I know this segment is about Ian Blackford, but <laughs> Theresa May absolutely cannot stand Boris Johnson. It's so obvious um, when she when she, with her response yesterday. And I swear Lindsay Hall must have been like, I'm not sure exactly how they decide who speaks in what order, you know, after the obvious leaders speaking. But the fact that she got the first question in after Keir Starmer, I'm like, that's a setup. They set Johnson up because obviously she was going to attack him. It's so funny. <clears throat> but yeah, um, Ian Blackford, he, he actually walked out before he because whilst Lindsay Hoyle was giving the spiel about, you know, understanding order 43, I ordered mm -hmm. the member to and then he was like, wait, is he gone? Oh, he's gone already. He'd already gone. He walked mm -hmm. off. He just walked out. He's like, so this, I'm gone. This point was made. <laughs> yeah, this point was made. made. It was great. And he called him a liar in the most, you know, sort of the nicest way possible. He said he willingly misled Parliament, which is a very kind way of calling somebody a liar. And if we're honest, everybody knows that to be true. So what could, what could, um would also have cut through is if we had more members of the opposition saying that he willingly misled him. Auntie Diane did. Diane Abbott, she was, she was visibly, visibly like, not angry. It was just well, disappointed. You... It was like that look oh. of utter disappointment. And it's like, just, she, it's, you know when somebody just has no respect for the other person? That's the look she had on her face when she asked Johnson the question she asked him. It was just a total like, who even are you? Um, of course, he didn't answer a question directly, um, but 
Ian, it was the same about Blackford. Yes, Blackford. So the actual it, the actual thing that he was saying that Johnson misled Parliament about was, so in December last year, December 2021, Johnson yeah. said that no COVID rules, no parties were had in the previous December. Now, the report has made it clear that there was a party in Downing Street the previous December. So mm-hmm. Blackford's basically saying, look, six weeks ago, you told us about a party a year ago that wasn't a party. We now know that it was a party. You're a liar. Yeah. That's basically all he did. That's yeah. all he did. Yeah. And he wasn't wrong. But you're not what, allowed. How do you think Lindsay Hoyle is managing the situation? That's the Speaker of the House, who is in charge of the questions that are going to and manage and maintaining order in the House. How do you think that he's um, coming across in all of this? I think Lindsay Hoyle's great, but here's the thing. I, I rated John Burko too. So here's the thing. I see people on the left like you and then people on the right. Uh, um, well, you are, what do you want? Oh, sorry. <laughs> it was just a, it was auto response because I, I thought you were going to call yourself a centrist and I was about to, to say, stop lying, you're right wing. Apologies. It, I was just falling into old <laughs> habits. Carry on. Yes, people like me, the left. So yeah. people like well, you on the left people and people yeah. on the right. You. Oh, I didn't say me. People mm. like you on the left, people on the right seem to all hate Lindsay Hoyle and all I don't think... like, I don't hate Lindsay Hoyle. All right, Hoyle. let me rephrase. Let I mean, rephrase. I let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. Not hate him, but think basically he's batting for the team. It was the same thing with John Burko. People on the right thought he was a closet break, he's a closet, closet remainer and just was in it backing the left. And people on the left thought he was back in the Tories. It's just, they can't win. But to me, that says they're doing a good job. And I think Lizzie Hoyle, I think Lizzie Hoyle's fine. I don't have a problem with Lizzie Hoyle. I know a lot of people think he's biased to one side or the other. I think he don't, I, I mean, I don't think he's as good as John Burko. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's as good uh, in terms of, I don't think he's as forceful. I don't think he has the gravitas in the house to keep yeah. things in order. Mm. But I think he does a decent job and I don't think he's necessarily biased to one side or the other. Maybe I'm just a bit biased. I'll just put one last thing there. Maybe yeah. I have some internal bias. He's northern. Uh, of course, he's northern as well, but it's not that. No. Um, but also, I was chair of the Student Union Council at the University of Manchester. And it was my job to basically basically do what he does, I, you know, to chair <laughs> council meetings. So you're like, you see yourself in him and you're saying, well, I see all myself. Do a good job. I see myself there. I was also accused of favouring one side over the other every time. Oh and it's that and the third. And I was projecting. And I was completely straight down the middle. No. And yes, I see myself there. Maybe I'm just identifying. I think you absolutely are identifying with him because he not, he's not doing all of that, what you just put on him. Like, relax. Okay, what relax, do you think? Like, okay, answer your yeah, own question. Well... I, like you say, he's not, I don't think he's got much control of the house, which is a problem. And I don't think that he's, it's not so because yes, it's not his um, job to um, point out points of fact, but I do think he could curb the uh, slight fantasism or the very obvious um, things that are clearly untrue, that are said that are untrue in the house that people know to be untrue. But maybe that's maybe that's overstepping his role as, as a speaker. But at some point he has to be like, maybe he doesn't have to be like, but he could be like, you know, can we you know, have any attempts to maintain truth in the house? Because if we can't have truth in the house and have questions answered truthfully from points of fact, like agreed points of fact within the house that we all know of, then this is all of this is a pantomime. Yes, it's a pantomime anyway, but all of this is a pantomime with no fruition. Mm. Yeah, I, I hear that. I hear that. But then again, if he goes too far with that, he'll then be acute. Because if 
if he suddenly um, next week, you know, interjects four times on telling one side that they're not telling the truth, then the other, then then they'll just say, oh, he, oh, there's further proof that he's batting for the other team. I'm not saying he shouldn't. I'm not saying he should. I'm just saying that's probably part of the internal thinking of it. That which is the problem I, is that we've reached a point in politics where pointing out that somebody is lying is considered political point scoring, or 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 a tantamount agreement or disagreement with their political beliefs. Yeah, fair enough. I, I, I'm not sure if we've just reached that point recently. I think. And I was going to say, I blame, like blame populism and Trump. I think it's, it's, it's older than that. It's, I think that kind of, <laughs> it's always been like, it's always been a game. Politics has always been a game. Yeah, I know, but not I thought we're, at the, we're, in the, we're in the fake news era where mm. now we don't point, not pointing out the truth of something is an issue and you can have your alternative truth on something and that's absolutely fine and considered a point of opinion. Alternative facts. Yeah. Kellyanne Conway put it. So now we're moving across the pond to United States. On Monday, six historically black colleges and universities, HBCUs, reported bomb threats and had to cancel classes for thousands of students. They told the students that they had to shelter at home and they brought in um, authorities to come and check the campuses of which nothing was found. And then again, on Tuesday, six more were um, made the report once again that bomb threats had been made. So the places that had been closed had to remain closed non-residential students were sent home, teachers were sent home, and essentially, again, shelter in place and um, the learning was moved online and these campuses have been in lockdown. The universities were Howard, Bethune-Cookman, University of Daytona Beach, Southern University, and A&M Southern University, Albany State University, Bowie State University, and Delaware State University. Currently, people are not really sure what it is because there's been no information about where they think this is coming from, why this is happening, because as yet, searches have not found anything on these campuses, so we're not really sure what it's about, what the reason is for, but it's quite clearly aimed at these specific universities who have come up now twice in the past week. And this is something that happened um, last year, I want to say. Yeah, something that happened last year as well. And it's something that's happened a few times. So it's really kind of, it's weird because nobody's sure really what's going on why it's going on and the authorities have absolutely no reports whatsoever really really dodgy and they don't know who's doing it no no don't no even know if it's like uh some white supremacist group or anything like no that. one knows if it's a white supremacist group and it but it's just but it's not just hbcus though is it because those state universities they're not hbcus yeah, HBC, there are, yes, a couple of Southern A&M universities are um, HBCUs. No, 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 you said like Delaware State, like aren't there other state universities HBCUs as well? Aren't they just regular sure. public colleges? No, I said Bowie State. Oh, uh, uh, okay, I'm sorry, you said. So they're all black, well, it's got to be, I mean, it's got to be, it's got to have some kind of racial angle to it. Because I, just, I mean, that's what, that is the assumption. I think that is why it's been reported as well. Is that this? That is the assumption that this is, you know. It sounds like something out of sort of 1885. You know, let's stop the blacks getting an education. Like in 2020, this is still going on. I mean, thankfully, it's not materialized I mean, into an got actual a global pandemic, which is the sort of 18 giving an 1885 vibe as well, really. Well, yeah, I mean, but yeah, <laughs> yeah in a different way. But yeah. it's just. 
very um we seem to be I would say we seem to be regressing but that sort of gives the idea that everything is hunky-dory and I, I hate those people so yeah, post-racial society, you know, yeah, we're in a post-racial society, these things shouldn't happen. Like, this shouldn't happen in a post-racial society, should it? No, but we're not really in a post-racial society, are we? Indeed. I don't want to talk like a Remainer who's like, oh, you know, I miss the energy of the 2012 Olympics. Grow up. Okay, we live What's in the world. What's They always say, do... you know, the coming you know? in together of the world. You sound like Boris Johnson trying to <laughs> shoehorn <laughs> Brexit into everything. What the hell has Brexit got to do with that? I'm just saying, you can see the queue to Dover from space. Oh, wow. The queue to Dover. Oh, isn't that actually something in favour of Remainers? <laughs> Clogged ports. Oh, yeah, see. Well, Brexit <laughs> does come in everything. I didn't say I was pro or against Brexit. I just was thought, you know, you said I should horn it into everything. Who I did you vote? Was... What did you vote for? Remain oh, or Brexit? It's a private, private. Did you vote to leave? Or did you vote I'm to stay? I'm not going to lie, I don't think I did vote to leave. You don't think? It was like six Most years ago. consequential election of, of the last decade. It's not even like six years, it was six years ago. Well, it was five and a half years ago. You don't remember, I remember who I voted for 10 years ago. You don't remember know. what you voted on Brexit. You honestly don't remember what you voted on Brexit. I think, I think I voted to remain. You think, wow. I think, yeah. But I was having some emotions. Sounds like you were. But no, no, no. On this isn't fence. about. This isn't. No, this isn't about the referendum. Actually, no, no. I'm thinking about the local elections after the referendum. Is what I'm thinking about. Oh right, bloody hell! You remember that? I don't remember what about local elections. There were so many referendum. I mean, votes in those two years that it kind of is <laughs> <laughs> all blurred into what. Yeah. To be fair, I don't remember what, what I did. And then there were the EU elections. Oh. I don't remember what I voted in the 2017 general. I don't remember. I remember general. every other. I remember every you voted other Tory, you told me. No, I didn't. I didn't tell you, you that because I don't remember. So I could that. have never told you that. You did tell me. I remember, saying that I remember, I remember when you said it to me because I was stood outside the library walking down the street and I stopped in the street and was like, are you serious, Corey? Or you didn't seriously just say that? I remember the conversation. I didn't know you in 2017, so that's a lie. So you didn't tell me in 2017 that you told me and you did. But it wasn't 2017 that you told me. Whatever. No, no, I remember. I'm That's sure you did. I don't remember. Because I was like, ill. I said, ill. And you were like, uh, I voted for every beautiful party at Chaloo. And I was like, ill. That's gross. <laughs> I'm not going to discuss my voting patterns because you clearly are going to twist it. I would not twist it. You know, vote for whoever you want to. Indeed. Or don't. Yeah, yeah. Sway in the wind. Have no beliefs. Anyway, guys, that's all from us this week. Enjoy your... I'm going to say Saturday, but I have no idea what day it is. It's Tuesday, and you clearly need sleep. So I'll close out. Enjoy your week, kings and queens. Oh, my gosh. So, yes, I was chair of the Students' Union Council for two years. Two years in a row. I was the final chair of the University of Manchester Students' Union Council because um, <laughs> at the end of my second year, they restructured the whole student union and got rid of the position. So oh therefore, I was the final one. The gentleman, <laughs> the official, who would be, I guess, the equivalent of a civil servant if it was government. Oh, my God. Kevin, never forget his name. He's called Kevin. He'd worked at the Students' <laughs> Union for decades. You know what he said? 
he said he might have said I was the best. I can't remember if it was the oh, best. Oh, definitely. It, it might not have been that, but you he definitely said. Your own horn. No, you know, he said he said I was one of the best chairs he'd ever worked with, and he'd been there about thirty-five years. <laughs> I cannot believe you've just held me hostage to listen to that diatribe. I don't care. The start of my political career, Ooh, perhaps. Can't wait. I mean, maybe so, the end. The so combination to but it was at least the start. Definitely not vote for you, but you know, I w- it, I do support your dreams. Absolutely. It's funny. So I got vote. I was I ran. T- I I was chair two years in a row. So the mm-hmm. first year I ran, I was mm-hmm. like a total unknown. So all of these people who were in student union politics, they didn't have a clue who I was. So the only reason I actually won was because everybody. No, I was because I was <laughs> unknown. I was unknown. So everybody else was like you know already kind of involved oh, in like student union politics. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it was you know faction. So it was like some people didn't like that person. Others. Oh, didn't was it like proportional that representation? No, it was just straight vote. Everybody who was a council member vote gets a, get, got a vote. Okay. About 60 people. Uh, oh. Because I was a total unknown. So I won. I won by quite a margin the first time. But again, Ooh. it was just because I was a total How was, what unknown. What was your speech on? Oh, this is getting slightly interesting. What was I can't remember. I Maybe oh. I've got it written down somewhere in some scrap of paper. I don't know. Um, the second year I won. Obviously, by then, people... Oh, wait, you're going to tell the story of the second year too? Wow. Yes. Then, the second I year I won. The second year I ran and won. Um, I think it, if I remember rightly, it was a bit more of a closer affair because obviously I was known by then, and you know, you had enemies. Thought, like had I said, enemies. just like Lindsay Hoyle, some people thought I was biased to one side when I wasn't. So I had or people. Or you who, weren't as great as you think you were. Had people who didn't necessarily like me. They thought I whatever, whatever. Anyway, mm. I won again. A little bit too and ran for their liking. I, no, I was not. I did not ever express a political opinion or opinion on how the students' union should run. I was the impartial chair. You have been impartial, first of all. It's great. It's great. Mm, yeah. I wish the meetings were recorded. Oh dear, free me. Anyway, then I, could, then I could send you the recordings. <laughs> no, 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 no one wants that. So, what about you? What were you involved? Were you involved in student politics? Yeah, I was a member of the law society, law student society. You? What was your? What did you do? Do you have a position? I don't know. I did have a position. And you can't remember. I can't remember. I don't think it was treasurer. No, it wasn't treasurer. Events. No. Spokesperson? No. Oh, gosh, you can't even remember. I really can't remember. No. But there was you... a vote. And you won a vote? I oh, ran unopposed. <laughs> oh. Unopposed. Yeah, okay. still won. <laughs> Fair enough. Any of, were you in any other societies, student societies, anything else? Was I? I don't know. Oh, yeah, no, I was in the uh, international law group. And competition group. That's what I did as well. ACS? I, I mean, I went to a couple of meetings. African Caribbean Society? I thought you'd yeah. be right front and centre. Why? I don't know. See, look at you. You're down yeah. with the cause. Yeah, but the ACS is not about being down with the cause. It's not, of course it was. It's not about being a, it's not a black political... Well, it's union. not political, necessarily. Yeah, no, so that's, but, you know. yeah, I'm into, I mean, just... It was just a group. I went to a couple of meetings, but... I was the president of RACS. Oh, so you only asked me to platform off to talk more about you. <laughs> what fun. I, mean, I was genuinely interested if you were involved. Oh, this has been so enjoyable for me. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I was, great. yes. I was yeah, aiming I, to end it with, I was president. Oh, yes. I mean, everyone's very glad about your political and student political career. Pat on the back. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NotBainPod 
And if you're listening on iTunes and you enjoyed what you heard, rate us five stars. It helps us get up the rankings. If you didn't enjoy it, ignore everything I just said. 